0: you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra
1: mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com.
0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex podcast. As always, it is Drew here with Josh and Connor catching you up on all things Major League Soccer and Soccer Abroad as MLS offseason is almost done. We have MLS action back tomorrow as we are recording this on Thursday. Major League Soccer games come back tomorrow night, so we are very excited about that. We've made it through the offseason. For some teams, it's been a painful offseason. For some, not so much, but it's almost over. We get MLS back tomorrow as CONCACAF Champions League continues to happen, which we will talk more about CCL and get ready for the opening weekend of Major League Soccer so we are very excited to talk about that and very excited for another awesome episode with you guys but it has been seven days since we last talked a very eventful seven days uh, as school work and Twitter <laughs> continues to happen <laughs> in our lives which we will talk about more uh, it's been a fun seven days but Connor how school treating you so far and how has the last week been going for you?
1: Good, I'm officially handed in every assignment I have for the entire semester, so two exams and then I'm done for the semester, but I'm doing a spring course, and that starts uh, like three days after my last exam, so that's fun, Uh, but it's only one course, so it should be fine. Um, Eventful Twitter days, watching some people get roasted by some uh, team Twitter accounts, but we'll dive into that later. You'll have to stick around. Uh, I was, and this should be up before this episode because we're going to work on it afterwards, but I was working on our bingo card. Uh, So that'll hopefully go out probably either tomorrow or tonight uh, as Drew is holding up his hand-drawn, probably terribly bingo card that he's using cash that he found in his couch to (laughs) cover up. The slots or whatever. I'll
0: find up the total of how much money I found in my couch and let you guys know. It's at least a dollar fifty. I found six quarters in here.
1: Not bad. Not bad. Uh, but unfortunately, I do need to adjust the middle square because it's not, hey, guys, that you say. It's, hey, hey everybody. everybody. Yep. So got to change that up. Uh, but we'll have that all sorted out for you to do tomorrow, I guess. But Drew, not Drew, Josh. Because uh, Drew, I'm gonna let you continue to count. Josh, how was your week, and how was your ego? <laughs> My ego
2: is fine, thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> it was a very eventful week for me. Twitter aside, which, like you said, <laughs> we'll definitely get into a bit later in the episode. But uh, yeah, no, it was honestly it was, it was a good week for me. I was was pretty productive. I actually. Started coaching this week, uh, sort of a little bit. Uh, I went and got to hang out, observe a U8 practice on Monday, and I'm in the process of going through some coaching licenses. So it's looking like that's that's going to be a thing I start doing. So that's like a, a thing that I'm really excited for. Um, why are you laughing, Connor?
1: Because you have to get a coaching license for U8. I mean,
2: I don't, I don't
1: have to. But
2: for someone like me who did not grow up with soccer, it's a useful thing to have. Um, but yeah, that I'm in the process of doing that. Champions League soccer was fun this week, both CONCACAF and UEFA.
1: Um, we don't need to talk about UEFA.
2: <laughs> I have nothing to say about the PSG-Bayern game other than I can't believe ne- <laughs> Neymar didn't score. That was ridiculous. All the other stuff he did, and he couldn't, couldn't put the ball in the net. Come on, dude. Anyway... Uh, yeah, so it was, it was a good week for me, eventful, between you know, starting to coach. I went back to teaching today a little bit. That's going to be another thing going forward after my you know, week-and-a-half-long break, or however long it's been since the last uh, season of teaching ended. But yeah, it was, a, it was a good week, and I'm super excited for the weekend. I've got like, this to-do list next to my, my desk here, and some of it is, you is know, work-productive stuff. But then I've got MLS is back, 8 o'clock, on there as well. So I'm super excited to sit down tomorrow night, most of Saturday, chill, watch some some MLS soccer, the craziness that is MLS. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm especially looking forward to talking to you, with you guys tonight about all the, the, the stuff that's happened with uh, MLS in the
0: last week. But Drew, how was your week? It was good. School is starting To wrap up, I have a couple assignments left. I have about a month left in the semester, so that is looking like it is going to wind down. I got my second dose of the vaccine on Sunday, so that was awesome. Uh, Hurt a little worse because, fun fact, someone I knew was leaving the vaccination site, and I was waving goodbye to them, and right as I was telling them, like, oh, how's it going? See you later. uh, I got the shot, and I guess my muscles were a little more tense. But I got the shot and I let out an audible like, oh, gosh, that hurt. And she was like, oh, yeah, sorry about that. I was like, you kidding me? But I got the second shot, so that was exciting. Um, I got that on Sunday, so I had a couple of days of my arm hurting. Um, a, little, a couple of side effects are nothing too major, but I'm all good to go now. I'm really excited for the weekend. It feels like MLS has been gone for so long. And now we are finally back. The Braves are being annoying. The Hawks are not so annoying. So that's how Atlanta sports are going.
1: John Collins um, is being very annoying, and so is Trey Young, if they could stay healthy. Get in the
0: dubs, man. We're trying to win the championship, not win your fantasy points, my guy.
1: <laughs> uh, it's fair. I don't need him this week. I don't need him this week. There this week is our last regular season week. I'm second in my league, so I get a buy next week, which is nice, uh, because I have so many injuries. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, is this your last, is tomorrow your last day of classes?
0: No, not by a long shot. I have about a little less than a month left.
1: No, like actual classes that you have to attend.
0: Uh, actual classes, about three weeks left, and then finals, which I don't have a whole lot of final exams. It's a lot of have this project in by this day. So I've got about three weeks left of classes, and then we will oh. see. Currently, I have $2.92, but I am using some of it on the bingo card because I mentioned Atlanta Sports and i think we have yeah. um fantasy sports on here too but i can't find them but i'll let you know we how don't. the bingo goes as it goes up oh because i have think Atlanta sports on bingo
2: i think mls fantasy is on there but we should probably amend that to just be fantasy sports
0: well if that's we a should case, which
2: putting great on plug
1: there. mr boland even though i don't think you're in the fantasy league yet Ooh. i probably won't join well, don't be like Josh. Go and join our <laughs> fantasy league. Uh, I will make him join afterwards. Don't worry. Uh, you, think a, we you have like draft for me?
0: You don't draft. It's, you just no, pick teams. No, it's not a draft. You just My pick My team, team is killer.
1: Okay. Well, we'll dive into that next week after our first weekend. Uh, but you can go and join that. I'll tweet out the link of the to the league with the podcast Uh, which I think I'll probably do tomorrow. I'll probably upload tomorrow, try to get it up before the games, even though I think that's roster freeze is tomorrow for the fantasy stuff. But either way, I'll tweet the link out for you. I think we have like 12 people in it, something like that. Uh, Let me check quickly and I can tell you exactly how many. Um, We got another one today, actually. So shout out whoever that was. But yeah, we're sitting at 12 currently. So go join that. Uh, it's going to be a ton of fun. You win absolutely nothing except for the fact that you get to hold the fact that you won MLS Fantasy over the people. We'll show you out on the podcast. The people... Yeah, there we go. We'll show you out on the podcast, which probably isn't worth much. But you
0: know. We should get them. I think we talked about this last year, but we should all chip in and buy a Breck Shea jersey. And the winner <laughs> of Fantasy gets the Breck Shea kit. I still think we should do that, and I'll, I'll get on that. And I will also add another bingo card because I mentioned Breck Shea. <laughs>
1: There you go. So <laughs> shout out Breck Shea. Uh, but we'll, we'll think about that. We'll, can, we'll come back to you next week and we'll figure out what, we, what exactly we want to do with the league. Uh, but yeah, go join it. All three of us will be in it. Uh, and I've now put Josh's name in that pool because I'll force him to join. Uh, but yeah, why don't we dive into some actual soccer content, even though I'd like to avoid the topic of North Americans abroad apart from one player.
0: Yeah, so North Americans Abroad uh, had a pretty a pretty packed weekend, I think. We'll start with some good news for Connor. Jonathan David, I think last week we mentioned that he was injured. He's already back in training with Lille. Um, obviously, I assume they're still first in France, and he is a big part of that. So he is already back in training, which is awesome. So residential Canadian, getting back in it, really exciting to see that. Um, Christian Pulisic started for Chelsea against Porto in the UCL quarterfinal, which they went through 2 to one on aggregate. I think they lost the first leg 1-0, but advanced. Uh, they will play Real Madrid in the UCL semifinals in the 27th, I think is what I saw.
1: Another bingo card slot. He got an informed card for these performances over the last week on FIFA, so big shout out to Christian Pulisic. Uh, there you go, Drew. <laughs>
0: awesome i i'm trying to keep up with what's going on and put the the pennies down on the bingo spots this is a whole mess but besides that he also scored twice on saturday against crystal palace um so chelsea's fighting for a top four spot and christian pulisic trying to help push them in the top four and try to make champions league next year um but yes Pulisic playing good another guy again we mentioned daryl dk scored again for barnsley eight goals in 14 games so he's been tearing it up Going back to UCL, Gio Reyna got an assist for Dortmund on Saturday against Manchester City. No, no, he got an assist for Dortmund on Saturday in the Bundesliga. He came off the bench against Man City in the UCL quarterfinal, which Man City defeated Dortmund. So Man City is going to play PSG. Some PSG in the who they beat? UC- Drew. Uh, they beat that team in Germany. I think their left back's Canadian.
1: Yeah, actually. Oh, he is. oh, Connor, he's Canadian. Can you help us out? Which team is that again? Yeah, he's actually, he's a former uh, Champions League winner. He's also a former think...
0: Vancouver Whitecap. <laughs> more yeah, yes, he
1: is, ironically. And, you know, I think he's the only North American in history who's won the Champions League trophy. Or, no. K.W. Boss won three times. Are we going to do this right now? I forgot about him. What was it? Are we going to do this right now? Three! He, he won three Champions Leagues. Yes, yeah. okay, And you're okay. still
2: trying to... Oh, my gosh!
1: No. Okay, he's also, like, 35 at this point, so... What's your point? We'll see where Davies is at when he's, like, 35. But he's... I think he's... I don't think an American has won it, correct? Correct. I don't even think an American...
2: American has never even played in a UCL final, let alone won it.
1: Exactly. So, therefore... Better than any American player, period. But that's not the argument. Uh, <laughs> CONCACAF is not the
2: American Confederation; well, it's the continent. <laughs> there,
1: there's another uh, bingo slot mentioning CONCACAF.
0: I can't uh, find the FIFA one, but I just knocked down two. I knocked down. You say in Canada better than the U.S. and CONCACAF. <laughs> hey, I,
2: I don't think this is a square, but there should be a square for argument over best CONCACAF player.
1: Yes, I will, we'll make that. Should that should be a square. the free space. That's what that should be, because that is a
0: guarantee.
1: Uh, I'm making the free space your intro because it's the same every time. Uh, I'll switch it
0: up on you. Keep it on your toes.
1: No, no you won't. <laughs> um, but yes, they lost. Uh, they won. Well, they did lose to Bayern Munich. They just won on away goals because they scored three uh, in Munich, uh, lost 1 nothing at home, but they still advanced. So. Kaylor Navas continues, even though he isn't better than Alfonso Davies.
2: True, you better continue with the North Americans abroad.
0: <laughs> so, moving on There's to a okay. another <laughs> great player in CONCACAF. Weston McKinney came on for Juventus in the 68th minute on Saturday. He scored just a minute later. So, Weston McKinney continuing to tear it up with Juve, which is always awesome. Brian Reynolds gets his first start for Roma. We talked about his transfer a lot and him trying to break into the Romicide. He finally broke into it. And that is always awesome. Good to see that happening. Uh, and now we're going to Turkey, I think. Atiba Hutchinson and Kyle Larin for Besiktas.
2: Besiktas. Besiktas. There's oh, the
0: mispronunciation, there's man. Did I you thought do that was going to be a name. He definitely I did good. not. I mispronounced, I mispronounced Kyle's last name before the podcast, so I think I have a little slack on the Turkish team league name. But yes.
1: We walked through how to say it before we started. And I wrote down the pronunciation right there. It's right but there. We both know
0: it. the writing does not do it justice. You have to hear it. So, But anyway, they got in. Uh, Hutchinson <laughs> assisted Kyle. And Besiktas is currently first in the Turkish league. They are four points ahead. They won that game four to two, and they are ahead in their league, so that is really awesome. So a lot of North American abroad actions, a lot of mispronunciations, a lot of teams, in a lot of different places. Josh, outside of out of all of this, outside of Kaylor Navas defeating De- Alfonso Davies, what is the biggest North American abroad moment to you out of all of this that we just went through?
2: I, I probably you know, follow up last week by saying Jonathan David being back at training uh, is huge. Last week, I think I picked him as my biggest, uh, biggest North American abroad storyline. So for him to already be back is really cool. You know, last week we spoke about how some people were speculating that he'd be, you know, out six to twelve weeks or even longer than that. And so the fact that he's already back, you know, even if it's light individual training, I think is a huge deal. So probably Jonathan David. Um, if I had to pick a second choice, you know, I'd go with Polisic. Obviously, you know, it's great to see him. Heating up now, all of a sudden, really good for him. Although I'm still not convinced that he's part of Tuchel's plans right now in terms of being like a starting player that's always contributing all the time. I, personally, I think that's still up in the air. No matter how well Pulisic's playing right now, uh, so we'll just have to wait and see kind of what happens. It'd be really cool to see him start um, either of the semifinal games that Chelsea have against Real Madrid or even to just appear, I think would be crazy. I think only one American has ever appeared in a semifinal. I think it was Demarcus Beasley. I'd have to look that up. Um, so it'd be, it'd be cool if he, you know, bec- becomes more involved, especially with this good run of form. He's experiencing Connor, what uh, stuck out to you from all these North American broad storylines?
1: I will go with Daryl DK, not because he scored, but also because he scored, uh, but mostly because some random fan named Don, uh, who's pretty powerful, kind of gave him a valuation of $20 million uh, out of absolutely nowhere. So shout out Don uh, for doing that and helping Orlando secure the bag uh, when they eventually sell him. But yeah, continuing to score eight goals in 14 games is unreal for a guy who's played pro- This is his second year, his first year being last year in the middle of a global pandemic. So to see him this successful in the championship right now just proves that MLS is a better league than the championship, Um, which, you know, it's always been a thing, but... First thing on Revolution it.
0: fans are going to get on Josh, and now we're going to get championship fans on you, Connor. This whole podcast is going to be Championship
1: fans already hate us, and none of them are listening to this podcast. And if you are, come in my mentions. Uh, but clearly, Daryl DK, who was not one of the best strikers in MLS last year, is one of the best strikers in the championship, so therefore, MLS is better than the championship, and uh, I rest my case. Drew, what's your thing a North American storyline you liked
0: I think my favorite storyline I'm gonna say Weston McKinney I think it's awesome that he got a sub in and made an immediate impact he obviously is a pretty big focus in Juve and he's a pretty big part of that team I think so to see him get on the field and then score not much longer later is awesome And yeah, he's an awesome guy. Hard not to like Weston McKinney. Everything he does as a person, as a player, he's the man. So I was really happy to see him score a goal. So I think Weston McKinney getting a goal for Juve is my moment, my storyline I followed from this little bunch we went through.
2: I just want to point out, I think it's kind of funny, but I, you know, maybe you guys feel differently than me about this, but it kind of feels like none of these were huge storylines this week. I don't know if it's because, you know, MLS is coming back this weekend and at least in my social sphere, like that's the main thing that everybody's talking about. I've seen a bajillion previews about MLS and obviously with their success in CCL this week, that's also been a big storyline. So I feel like all these North Americans abroad, it's, it's not been like swept under the rug or anything, but it's been kind out of out of my mind at least. But also I think it's kind of funny because all of these things that are happening that we've listed today Like, this isn't the first time any of this has happened. Like, Daryl DK has been scoring since he set foot in English soil. Polisic, you know, he's done this before. It's not the first time he's ever scored a brace in a Premier League game or, you know, played well in a UCL game. Gio Reyna, I mean, he's gotten assists for Dortmund before. Weston McKinney, he's been scoring a bunch for Juventus. So it's just, it's kind of cool, I think, to take a step back and realize, like, none of this is insane anymore because it's happening on a regular basis. So it's kind of funny.
0: Yeah, I think a really big storyline that people were talking about was Pulisic's performance when it comes to uh, big games or trying to get in the top four. He's just like a different player when it comes to trying to get the top four. Someone said that he was trying to like get in the playoffs, so that was kind of a fun jab at the way Americans do things. But I thought that was pretty cool. But yeah, that's a really good point, that there weren't a whole lot of storylines in this because – Not a whole lot of shocking. If this happened a couple years ago, this would be a huge deal, but this happens a lot. So that was a good point that you brought up.
1: It was. Uh, I think a major reason for that is Alfonso Davies wasn't involved in this North Americans Abroad. So, you know, that's probably a pretty major storyline every week that we tend to forget, or at least you two tend to forget, uh, because Canada is always better than the U.S. uh, And that's... Do I get
0: uh, two, two blocks for that? Because that's the second time you've mentioned it, and we are mm-hmm. 20 minutes in.
2: You
1: can stack two coins on that square. All right, you got yeah, it. I'm just, on it. I just, did wh- I say I did? Did I say Canada's better than the US already? Yes,
2: you already did that.
1: Oh. <laughs> well, it's true.
2: I think it was a it was a more indirect route than what you just took. Just but this now,
0: literally, but- you just the block literally says Canada greater than U.S., and that just <laughs> came out of your mouth like word for word.
1: It's not fair. I keep giving away squares because I know what all of them are uh, because I did them last night. <laughs> but, you know, I'll help you people out and we'll see if you can get bingo by the end of this episode. Why don't we do another one of our ad breaks? But instead of inserting an ad here, Drew, tell us about the sponsor of this podcast.
0: Yeah, this podcast is brought to you by Danette May and Mindful Health, featuring Danette May's top superfood product from her Earth Echo food line, Cacao Bliss. Uh, It is chocolate. It is good for you. It's hard to beat that up. Nothing feels better than being able to enjoy some rich smoothie and creamy chocolate and knowing you are doing something good for your body. Uh, For the last eight years, they have been a leader in the superfoods market and are proud to have served millions of customers worldwide, and they are helping sponsor this podcast. And we are helping you guys out by offering up to a 15% off discount when you use the code MINUTE15. Again, the code is MINUTE15 uh, for Danette May's top superfood product, Cacao Bliss. Again, chocolate, good for your body. Hard to beat that. So, again, go to earthechofoods.com slash minute media and use the code MINUTE15 to get 15% off Cacao Bliss to get you some healthy chocolate. So, always awesome. We love chocolate here. We love being healthy hard to pass that up. So thank you so much for starting this episode. And again, go give them a visit. But like we talked about before the episode, we are very excited because MLS is back this weekend. Tomorrow we get our first taste of games. But before we talk about some games that are happening, we have some more transfers and signings in the league. So we will run through some signings. Some signings are players, some signings in the business side of things, but are awesome nonetheless. And we will start with Probably my favorite signing of the week, D.C. United hired Lucy Rushton as the club's general manager. She came from Atlanta United where she worked in technical recruitment and analysis, so she was really smart, a really big piece of Atlanta United building what they had. And she is now at D.C. United as the club's GM, the second woman GM in MLS history, the first one with Lynn meder we are really hitting that mispronunciation. Is that how you say it?
2: Like, how do you guys know how to say all these names? I I don't. I just <laughs> I honestly just kind of left that for you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll <laughs> left
0: me out to dry. Right, yeah, yeah. I,
2: I knew I knew whoever was going to read it, it was going to be a struggle, but like I don't I don't know how to offer a better.
0: <laughs> okay, I'll just say okay, okay. Well,
2: okay. M- maybe metoperol is probably the. Met- I don't know, met- there's metuporal. a lot of
0: yeah. Whatever. Meter so, peril. I, uh... I'll just say yeah. Metoperol. So,
1: Lynn. 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 We'll call her Lynn. Lynn. Shout out Lynn.
0: So Lucy Rushton um, was hired as DC United's GM. She came from Atlanta United where she worked as a technical recruitment and analysis. She's the second woman GM in MLS history, the first since 1999. So shout out to Lucy. That's awesome. Uh, We need more women in MLS. We need more women in sports. So that was really awesome about Lucy going to DC United. Josh, we lost a piece of Atlanta's staff what did you think about it? Although we lost a piece of ML- Elena's staff, I imagine this is pretty good news for you to see a woman in the MLS GM spotter. What do you think about this hiring from DPC's perspective? As an Elena United fan, I hate it because
2: she was so important to the club. Um, she is one of the names, like, you know, I, I, I can't name Atlanta United's front office off the top of my head. You know, I can I can give you the big names like Darren Eels and Carlos Bucanegra and Paul McDonough, but right underneath those guys in terms of names I recognize and know are important to the club, Lucy Rushton is there, and probably like uh, Academy Director Tony Anon as well. But I, I know she's a huge deal for the club, and she's a really, really big part of Atlanta United's early success, and a lot of it had to do with the way she ran – their um, analysis side of things, because it's just not a common thing in soccer. It's taken a while for data analysis to really take hold in in England and Europe, especially. Um, And so MLS is a lot more willing to do that sort of thing. But even then, the way these staffs function from club to club is very different. So I know that, you know, she knows what she's doing because of her success with Atlanta United. So as an Atlanta fan, Really bumped. As a fan of the league, though, this is extremely exciting. I'm really looking forward to what she does with DC. Uh, I know a lot of DC fans are excited because it's kind of been the same for them for like a decade now between having Ben Olsen as coach and Dave Casper as GM. And so now you've got a new exciting coach in Aaron Lasada, You've got a new exciting GM in Lucy Rushton. So I think, you know, if you're a DC fan, you have plenty of reasons to be excited. And this is just another big reason to to add to that. So big loss for Atlanta United. I'm anxious to see how they replace her because those are huge shoes to fill. And uh, I'm really looking forward to what she does with DC. I'm sure she'll do a fantastic job.
1: Yeah, I think it's really good just for sports in general to have more women involved. Uh, obviously, I'm biased in that sense, although I don't I think everybody should be biased in that sense. Uh, editing a podcast for potentially the first female GM in NHL history as uh, Mike Stevens to, likes to introduce the podcast. Okay, every I was like, episode. are you
2: breaking huge news right now? What's going on? No.
1: It's
2: like, it's, I feel like this is illegal. No,
1: it's not illegal, although <laughs> if there's anybody who's going to do it, she's very high on that list uh, because Rachel's unbelievably talented uh, and unbelievably hardworking. So uh, go check out all her stuff, although she doesn't do much on soccer. It's mostly hockey. Uh, so yeah, actually, if you want to hear some of her soccer stuff, go back and listen to our episode with Rachel. Uh, we talk a bit about TFC and everything like that back in December, who she thought the next DP would be. And then I wrote an article about it. Uh, and we are four of you, four downloads away from that becoming our, uh, breaking, a significant milestone for us in terms of one episode. So for people who haven't downloaded it, go back, download it, please. Uh, that would mean a lot, but yeah, I just think, you know, following in the footsteps of the Miami Marlins, hiring Kim Ng, uh, earlier this year or last year, I guess now I'm still getting used to 2021 and it's April. Uh, yes, I know, but I think it's just great. It's great for the sport. It's great for everything. I just really like it. I like, Just to have more diversity, I think, in sports is going to be incredibly vital to long-term success in general. But Drew, what did you think about the higher... Uh, and do you think this will become a new trend in MLS?
0: Yeah, I think it's awesome. I hope it becomes a new trend in MLS. This is the not the first time we have seen DC linked with a woman in high... Positions, I think for a while there, it seemed that Jill Ellis, former coach of the U.S. Women's National Team, was linked with D.C. United. Unfortunately, that fell through. So that stunk, but it's always good to see more women in GM roles and head coaching roles, um, both in MLS and the NWSL, because even though the NWSL is a women's league, that is still something that the league is pushing toward, with you have some women GMs like Elise LeHue with Sky Blue, or Gotham FC, I apologize, Gotham FC, um And she's awesome. So this is great. This is a great thing for MLS. And again, like Connor mentioned with the Miami Marlins, uh, between baseball and MLS, hopefully this sparks a trend that goes in the NBA, uh, NFL, NHL, NWSL, WNBA, and et cetera. So really awesome. Uh, yeah, excited for her. Excited to see what she does in D.C. United as that club kind of tries to turn the page. Um, and it's going to stick in the Northeast here, another club that is trying to turn the page. The New York Red Bulls, we talked a little bit about a fun situation that they are in with the transfer world. Um, Despite the threat of tampering charges from FCC, the New York Red Bulls are signing Frankie Amaya to a new deal. Uh, Amaya was the number one draft pick in 2019 Super Draft, I do believe. So he came with a lot of hype. He was on FC Cincinnati, so you know he didn't do that good because he was with that team for a couple of years. But he looks like he's going to the New York Red Bulls. Um, the deal was contingent upon Amaya signing a new deal. Uh, that's reportedly done. Again, not a whole lot to say about this because we don't know the complete details about it yet. But we just know Frankie and Amaya on the way to the Red Bulls after a wild transfer saga, which every time it's a transfer in MLS, it feels like there's a whole saga to it. So that's crazy. Um, but Josh, what do you think about Amaya going to the Red Bulls? And do you think we're done with this, the whole tampering thing is done, or what do you think about Amaya making his way to New Jersey under a new coach, Gerard Struber? So Red Bulls are kind of this is weird time of a bunch of young kids. I think I saw somewhere that every transfer they brought in this offseason, no one was over 24 years old. And Frankie is 20, I think, twenty twenty one ish So the Red Bulls are in this weird, super young, Caden Clark, teenager that's going to score against Atlanta United. Phase with a new coach, pretty weird time in Jersey. But what do you think about Amaya making his way to the Red Bulls? Yeah,
2: Amaya is only 20 years old. Um, so, I, I think between his signing and you know the Cameron Harper signing, and you're going to get Cade. No, sorry, Caden Clark. I was about to say Cade Cal. I get those two names confused. Caden Clark is about to have a, a full MLS season under his belt. I mean, honestly, it's an exciting time for New York. I think for the market that it is, you know, I can understand if fans might be disappointed in that they're not bringing in big names. But if you're a fan of the New York Red Bulls and you've followed them for a while, then you know that this is how the team does things. They bring in young talent. They play a certain style. They bring in, you know, a bunch of no-names from Ivy League schools or whatever, and, you know, Keenan Hot and what's his name? Tom Barlow. I don't know. Like you could just create a name generator and you probably push out a few New York Red Bulls uh, players, but you know, this is their MO. They get these young players and they play the system they want to play. And it was successful with Jesse Marsh and kind of for a little bit under Chris Armis. So I think with Schruber, we're going to see some, some good things from New York this year. I don't know if they'll ever really, you know, like challenge for MLS Cup because you need those star players to kind of push you over the line. It's just how the league is. But they'll probably be exciting this year and I, you know, I'm sh- every one of these young players is full of potential. Um I think did they get Chris Gloucester too? Or no, New York City FC got Chris Gloucester from Red Bulls. But he's another U20 guy who's got a lot of potential, but anyway, so I think it's a a great move for Red Bulls, I'm very curious to see if this is the end of the whole tampering nonsense, I'd like to imagine that since Cincinnati is making a deal with Red Bulls, they're not going to push those charges anymore, and they're just going to kind of drop it, you know, for whatever the fee is going to be, uh, so that'll be something to look for, but yeah, I think, I think Red Bulls will do a lot of good things this year, sadly, and, uh, Amaya is just another piece for them to work with.
1: Well, you're a little bit more high on the Red Bulls than I am, but we'll get into that later in the episode. Uh, both of you should scroll down in the doc for that. But uh, I think it's an interesting situation, and it's going to develop. Uh, I think, like, this isn't the end we've heard of us hearing about Frankie Amaya and everything along those lines. Like, they will... I will be shocked if FC Cincinnati doesn't push this because, frankly, it hurt his value. And I think Cincinnati are rightfully probably pissed off. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Red Bull get a good player. Cincinnati lose a good player, but presumably earn a bunch of money, which they won't use. But, you know, that's another issue. Uh, Let's dive into the other New York club uh, in... New York City FC signing Tiago Andrada, who is a twenty year old Brazilian, uh I believe, coming from Brazilian club EC Bahia I don't know how to I don't sure. know how to speak Spanish. That's, uh, they speak oh my Portuguese goodness. in Brazil oh my God. Portuguese, they do not right. speak Spanish. <laughs> okay. Spanish and Portuguese are very, very similar. Not uh,
2: that much. They are oh similar. My not extremely similar. I, I think oh, I'm pretty low. sure Spanish and Italian are much closer than Like, Spanish and... Anyway, continue with your nonsense.
1: Uh, Shut up. Portuguese. Uh, So, you know, I probably butchered the name. Sorry, Brazil. I know you speak uh, Portuguese. I don't know why I said Spanish. Uh, But (laughs) what do you guys think about Thiago Andrade and what kind of impact do you think he's going to have for NYCFC?
0: Yeah, when I was looking up this guy's information, there wasn't a whole lot on this guy. The only thing I found was he, the, I think MLS Soccer reported that it was about a $1.8 to $2 million deal for about five years. So that's exciting. Make of that what you, it looks like a long term thing. Um, he's primarily, I think I saw he was a winger. He played on both and the right and the left. So that's exciting. But yeah, this guy hasn't played a whole lot in Brazil. I think he's got like a goal or something like 12 appearances. So it's really weird to me that an MLS club would go out and spend money on a guy that hasn't played a whole lot, except if that club is NYCFC, because every time we mention New York City FC, we have to mention the City Scouting Network. And if we don't really know a whole lot about this guy, hasn't played a whole lot, but if City is willing to spend money on this guy and take a long-term five-year deal on him, that I'm pretty confident that the city scouting group knows more than we do. So obviously they've seen this guy for a while, despite him not playing in competitive games that count for points matches. They've seen him, you know, training, talk to managers, talk to players, etc. So I think there's not really a whole lot to say about this guy, except that I trust the city scouting group. They have a lot of resources, a massive network, a lot of money, and... If they know about this guy, again, we haven't seen him a whole lot in Brazil, but they probably have some contacts in Brazil that told NYCFC and told City, hey, this guy's worth it. Get him to Major League Soccer. And again, NYCFC making another signing. We talked about them signing someone last week. Looks like they're signing someone again after a lot of getting rid of players letting players go transferring players we talked that they were going to have a busy second half of the offseason acquiring players with all the money and international spots that they had and this looks like is another example of that so i'm really excited because there's a lot of question marks around this guy and we will see if city knows what they're doing bringing this guy into major league soccer so i'm excited about it josh what do you think about nycfc's newest acquisition yeah you know
2: Like you're kind of saying, I mean, we don't really know anything about this kid, but if he's, you know, being brought into the city group, that means something. So I, I, there's inherent risk with a 20 year old, right? Unproven, lots of potential, but, you know, I, I, you don't know how this is going to pan out, but obviously, you know, this is someone with talent. So I, I think it's a good move for New York City. MLS has proven that. You know, you get South American players young, you develop them, they can be really productive for your team, you probably sell them on a profit. So I'm sure that's what New York City would like to do with Andrade.
0: Yeah, so we will see where that goes. with NYCFC, the newest acquisition that they have, there in New York City, not in New Jersey like the Red Bulls. So we will see how that goes as NYCFC tries to make some noise as the Major League Soccer season gets ready to go. Another team that is trying to make some noise in MLS. I don't think they'll make a lot of noise. I don't think a whole lot of people expect them to make a lot of noise, but they might be really exciting to watch because no one knows what the heck is going to happen with them, and that team is none other than Inter-Miami. They are staying busy this offseason. It feels like we've talked about them every episode because every week there is something about kind of breaking transfer rules to just acquiring players straight up to being the weirdest team in the league and... Just being inter-Miami. So we're talking about them again. Uh, they traded defender Dylan Nialis to Nashville SC, for dollars
1: Nialis? Even. Did we really just say Nialis? 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 Oh, Nialis? Nialis. Nialis,
0: okay. <laughs> Nialis. It's, it's not like I'm totally creating these names that are totally unrealistic. That is a viable <laughs> way to pronounce that name. This, we're having
1: a bad episode pronunciation-wise. It's very bad. Holy. We need to,
0: <laughs> We need to go through every transfer name and say, okay, this is how we're going to say it. How do you guys know how to say these names? Do you just guess or do you like actually hear them say it? I
1: think I've heard somebody say it.
0: Okay, that's fair. I'm also so,
1: there's no accent, so there's no reason it should be Nialis. Uh, and you speak the English language and you know when an e and an a go together, it's Nialis. E.
0: There's some exceptions to that. I know there are, I think of someone's episode. But yes, he's transferred the National SC for 175,000 and GAM could increase by 50,000. I guess on some based on some incentives. Um So that's exciting, Inter-Miami staying busy with that. They also announced the signing of goalkeeper Nick Marsman. Uh, He's 30 years old. He will join in the summer. He's going to occupy an international spot. He's joining from a club in the Netherlands. So Miami's staying busy. Josh, out of these transfers that Miami's made they've had a really busy offseason again we've we're always talking about this team what do you think about Miami picking these guys up again we talked a little bit before the podcast about Miami's goalkeeping situation what's the situation on that and do you think Nick Marsman's going to help with that at all come Major League Soccer time although he is joining in the summer
2: yeah I mean I don't don't really know what kind of role Marsman's gonna play I think um, if I remember correctly Miami's got Dylan Castaneros I, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. He was with Atlanta United's Academy, I'm pretty sure. Um, but he might be given a chance to win the starting job before Marsman shows up. I don't know if they they signed Marsman with the intention of him being the starter when he gets to the States or if he's just depth. Um, and then moving Nealus made sense because he's left back and they already have Breck Shea. They already have karen gibbs on the way in the summer and they already have is it Jovan jones i can't remember if he's the one that, who plays left yeah. back or if it's leardom
1: leardom one of the two I,
2: I can't remember which one it is so but either way they've got plenty of left back options so it makes sense to move Nealis and go ahead and get some money in return so i mean not amazing moves like you said drew miami always doing something every week i think we're just seeing them continuing to build the team in the direction they want to go, whichever direction that is. Uh, Connor, did any of these uh, stand out to you? I guess any of these Miami moves?
1: No, not really, if I'm being completely honest. Like, I guess getting Marsman is good. As I've said, depth is going to be huge this season. Uh, But... I I, I do
2: think using an international slot and a goalkeeper is an interesting choice. That is something that is extremely rare in MLS... There's always been a lot of domestic talent. It is. It's rare. There are not many times that people use international slots for goalkeepers. It's just not a super common thing. The only other one I can think of off the top of my hand is Kenneth Vermeer with LAFC. And Blake. Yeah, but hasn't he gotten a green card by now? He's been uh, in the league I for a no long idea. time. I I would imagine that Blake is not on an international slot because he's been with Philly for a long time. He's, he's got a green card at this point, I'm sure.
1: Clement Up.
2: I don't know how that applies because that's a Canadian team.
1: Yes, he's also from Senegal, so it doesn't matter, I believe. Yeah,
2: but I don't know how long he's been with, which team is he with now? Montreal. Either way, let's talk about CCL. Uh, Because
1: We we definitely should. This was a good week.
2: Well, we'll take a quick ad break first, but when we come back, we'll talk about CCL.
1: TFC. T-O-R-O-N-T. You guys are crap and we are better. <laughs> Welcome back after that terrible ad break and my absolutely horrible setting. <laughs> Singing. Uh, but excuse me for being a little bit hype. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> <laughs> Toronto FC are the best team in MLS. The best team in North America. Because we just took out the League MX Champs. So... There's that, but we'll talk about that in a second. Let's start off with Atlanta barely getting past a pretty terrible Al um, who are missing a majority of their starters because of COVID restrictions. So the, you probably should have beat them like 5 nothing, considering they had basically no starters. But, you know, let's hear your reasoning for why they are the best team in MLS and why they deserved and should be praised for going through
0: well they're not the best team in mls um, Yeah, why are you speaking in absolutes are you a sith or something
1: uh no it's called being a media member and speaking in absolutes is what you do fun fact star wars reference nothing oh, i got a their
0: reference yeah absolutely Yeah. no we didn't i get don't watch the i don't
1: watch movies or tv i also have no idea what he said so there's that too
0: Nonetheless, Atlanta United is not the best team in MLS. <laughs> Alohaense is a very good Costa Rican side, but like Connor said, they were missing a lot of their players due to COVID issues. Uh, it came out, it was a little confusing, but I think it came out that Alohaense applied for some, not visas, they applied for something to let players get over to the States, but they applied like a day before the match. So CONCACAF was like, we don't have enough time. This can't happen. You guys have to play anyway. And Elaine United played in Kennesaw, uh, 1-1 to nothing. Jurgen Dam got a goal late, um, so they advanced with aggregate 2-0. Um, so yes, Elaine United is going through one of, I assume, five now MLS teams to go through. All five made it, which we'll talk about all five. But we're going to start with Elaine United defeating Aloua My take on the game is it was very gross. That's the one way I could describe it. It was nasty, like Connor said. It should have been a lot worse. I don't know about you, Josh, but when I was hearing all the stats about saying missing players, I said, we're going to lose 2-0. This makes no sense at all. This isn't going to happen. We're going to lose. But they pulled it out. Ezekiel Barco got an assist. It was kind of just like a bad touch Barco had that I think he meant to take it himself, but Jurgen Dam was right there. Hey, why not? Uh, Joseph Martinez was start started and was captain. So it was awesome to see him get back on the field. But, yeah, I thought the game was nasty. It wasn't good soccer. Uh, I was much more happy with the first leg when they went down to Tinman. Uh, Rocco Riosnovo kept a shutout. The man has yet to let in a goal in his Atlanta United career. That's awesome. But, yeah, I thought it was a nasty game. Not a whole lot stuck out to me. Uh, I think Santiago Sosa is still phenomenal. I'm so excited to see this guy play Major League Soccer and wreck teams for fun. So it was gross. But at the end of the day, this is a gross tournament full of weird moments that don't make sense. So the fact that LA United advanced to the second round, the third time in three years, third consecutive season, they've done that, um, I thought was awesome. So yeah, it wasn't a good performance, but it's a tournament. Sometimes you don't have to be the best team, you just have to win. That's how you win knockout tournaments sometimes. So they got the win, they got through, they're moving on. Uh, Not a small accomplishment by any means under a brand new manager. So, it was a nasty game, but I'm happy with the performance. Josh, what did you think about Atlanta beating Alohense 2-0 on aggregate and then advancing to the second round, where they would play Philadelphia? So, MLS on MLS matchup, second round. Yeah, I'm,
2: I I don't have too much to add. You know, they did look better. Not I don't necessarily think they looked better when they had 10 men. Before they went down a man in the first leg in the first half, they, they were putting together some really good attacking patterns, I thought, and they looked organized, even if they weren't executing 100%. That was certainly lacking in this game. I think a lot of it had to do with, one, Al had tape to look at. They were better prepared. Two, they were doing a great job of staying compact defensively. It was very clear that Atlanta had a hard time playing that final pass and really unlocking and breaking down Al defensive shape. So, I I will go ahead and give props to their coaching staff for preparing them well especially with the the missing players lots of missing players which by the way I love that Al Valente tried to pin that on on Concacaf and then Concacaf was like no you guys literally waited until the last minute to to get your players approved so it's your fault so I thought that was kind of funny real petty from both sides um but yeah I, I and you know another thing that I think is important to look at is when Alan Wilensey came in with all these, you know, U twenty three players essentially, they got nothing to lose and they played like it. They 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 were very energetic and they were very up for the challenge. You know, there was one really good move that Al Wilensey had in the first half around the thirty seventh minute. I think it was great touch around. I think it was Miles Robinson, and then got around Rios Novo, but then the player like shanked it wide of the goal by like twenty yards. So. That's kind of what I think it kind of encompasses the entire second leg in one play. So it's disappointing that Atlanta didn't play well. At the end of the day they advance, which is impressive in its own you know, its own way. They're just the second MLS club in history to reach CCL quarterfinals three years in a row under its current format. The Galaxy did it back in twenty twelve to twenty fourteen, so I think that's significant. However, if they play like this against Philadelphia, they're gonna get smashed. So maybe a couple of weeks of playing MLS games will help Atlanta be better prepared. But yeah, definitely not a good performance. I think Drew's use of the word "gross" was very accurate. Uh, Connor, do you have anything to add to the Atlanta vs. second leg or maybe the tie overall?
1: No, I can say nothing on the matter because Tuesday I was very busy and didn't watch any games, um, so I'm out of the loop on that front. But Look, Atlanta should have won by more, I think, is the bottom line. And the fact that they didn't should terrify you, too. Uh, because, again, this was a team who were missing a majority of their starters. And you can shake your head and say that's not that big a deal, but it is. And uh, it's something that Atlanta should have done better with, frankly.
0: Can we make the argument that Atlanta had no idea what to expect of these guys? Because we've talked about Atlanta a lot, a lot. No, they no film on these guys. No. I, don't,
2: I don't think that's a fair argument. And it's the second game
0: under a new manager. And their is striker a isn't healthy.
2: Here, here's it's Marcelino
0: Marino's first game back. We had an that's 18-year-old true. in goal.
2: Here's my thing about you know, how we should feel about their performance. Look at Atlanta United's first two CCL performances. Crap on the road, crush a team at home, knocked out in the next round. So what does this even matter? All that matters is that they advanced. But this has absolutely no bearing on the tie against Philadelphia. And the fact that at least some of the players are familiar with Philadelphia, I think think it will change our view of how this first tie went. Should they have done better? I agree with you absolutely, Connor. Atlanta is a much more talented team. But they just never generated any chances to begin with. So in terms of the actual game state assessment, I think the result was fair. But I don't think this has any bearing over the next round. It is what it is. You know, They scrapped through, I guess. I will say, extremely impressive that they did not concede a goal. Both them and Columbus were the only... Oh, and Philadelphia. So the fact that any of the MLS teams didn't concede a goal is important, but Atlanta especially, because their style of play can lend itself to conceding goals. And the fact that they didn't is on a little bit of a level impressive. But let's move on to the Portland Maritone game. Yes, it is Maritone. We pronounced that wrong. All last episode, sue us. It, it is how it is. Welcome It's spelled Maritone. Why is it
1: Marathone? Because it's in uh, Central
2: America. I think it's Honduras is, is where they're from. Either way, irrelevant because Portland crushed them 5 nothing up in Portland. They won the, the tie 7-2 on aggregate. Obviously a dominant performance. Uh, Jimmy Chara got a hat trick. And this is where I get to share a fun fact about Portland. They've never scored an MLS hat trick. 10 years, 329 games, never scored a hat trick. They've scored one in U.S. Open Cup in 22 games, and they've already scored one in CCL in 10 games. And yet somehow, in their long decade MLS history, and all the amazing players that have come through Portland, they still haven't gotten a hat trick in MLS play, which is hilarious to me. They will play Club America next. So we all know that that's probably going to be really fun. Because I don't know how you guys feel about the way Portland played, but I thought they played phenomenal. I didn't really get to see much of this second game, obviously. It it didn't really matter because just you can tell by the scoreline that they were very well in control of the entire um, situation. What can we take away from this tie, though? I'll I'll start with you, Connor. What what do you think you can take away from this?
1: Portland are a good team, bottom line. They're doing this without... Uh, Sebastian Blanco, who's still out injured. And they're just Nia's a good Goda team.
2: as well, another DP. Yaroslav yeah.
1: Still missing him as well. Uh, Yemi Chara, in the first game at least, I thought he looked great. Like He's very, very quick. He's dynamic. Uh, I have him in my fantasy team, personally, because I think he'll be very good considering they have absolutely no DPs. Uh, but, yeah, I think... Portland, they're going to be a team to watch, I think, in this tournament, and that Club America series will hopefully be really, really entertaining, because the last time we talked about CCL, Club America weren't amazing, and I don't know if they've improved their form since, I don't really keep track of the Mexican League, Uh, but look, it's Club America, they're always good, even when they're not good, they're always a high tier in terms of talent, and Uh, It'll be a difficult match for Portland, but one that's not impossible. And I wouldn't rule out a full MLS semifinal, but we can get into that discussion in a second. Drew, what did you think about the Portland Marathon match? And what do you think we can take away from Portland's performance?
0: Yeah, I thought Portland was outstanding. I think before the second leg, I straight up said I thought Portland were in trouble, and that was not the case. So, yeah, I mean, I think... It was Gio Savarese's first game in CONCACAF Champions League in the first leg. So it was the second game in the second leg. And this dude, I mean, it's hard to go against this guy in Portland knockout round tournaments. Um, so, again, but you mentioned Club America. It's going to be difficult, good team. But if anyone can do it, it's the Portland Timbers. I think they're going to be a really good team, especially when they get players back and they get healthy, which is more a later in the MLS, MLS playoff thing. But they're still a very good team right now. And this performance showed it. Um, I think it's a really interesting conversation about MLS teams, kind of just coming back in that second leg and just shellacking the teams that they played. We'll talk about that more. I think with Philadelphia, but and we t- mentioned it with Josh mentioned LA United's past Concacaf Champions League appearances, where they struggle in the first game, come back and just blow it up. And I think Portland did that. And yeah, I think Jose say it's hard to pick against this guy. Um, it's going to be very difficult to beat Club America, but if anyone going to do it, it's Portland. So I'm not counting them out. It's going to be difficult, but they're up to the challenge again. Once this team gets all these players back, they're going to be scary good, and I think they have all the makings to make a really deep run in Major League Soccer. Uh, Josh, did you have any thoughts about it or on the next tie, do you think Portland can possibly beat Club America? Because who knows? Atlanta beat them that one time. Not really, but they beat them one time.
2: I I mean, I think Club America, You know, like Connor said, obviously the three of us don't really follow uh, League MX that much. Um, but I think the fact that club America has now lost to Atlanta twice in the last two years and also lost to LAFC is what did they end up losing to LAFC? Is that what it was? Uh,
1: yes, because that's yes, when there was a stupid the guy red got card, red card and then was using a walkie talkie in the bench because yes, of course PO. they also lost <laughs> to Toronto. To FC?
0: I'm going to figure out who, what he's up to right now.
2: <laughs> he's not doing anything right now. As far as I know, he's mentioned coming to MLS before, so it would be fun to see him in the league. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think, I think Portland could definitely beat Club America. If there's any Liga MX squad that over the last couple of years against MLS competition has looked less than stellar, it's Club America. I also think that Portland, yeah,
1: have Club America won a match against the MLS club in four yeah. years?
0: Yeah, they beat they, they smacked they Atlanta beat, that first time.
1: Yeah, oh, they, they beat Atlanta, beat, won, Atlanta won, won. No, Jackson right. got the goal. Right, yeah. right, right. So okay,
2: Cl- Club America could you know. No one should sleep on any of the Liga MX teams. They just shouldn't. I think any time an MLS team wins, it's a big deal, and obviously we'll definitely be talking about that in a hot second. But you know, I think the biggest takeaway from this tie in particular is Portland took care of business, right? They took care of business, and that's been a problem for MLS teams in the past against smaller clubs like Maritone or you know Alou or whatever. You know, it's it's been an issue where MLS teams have had trouble putting away teams like that. So the fact that Portland just went out and dominated from the get-go, never really let Maritone even get back into it in the second leg is a big deal. And yeah, I do think that they could beat Club America. Like we said, we don't know if America's improved since December, they probably have, but they're beatable. They're beatable, and with the way that Portland is flying right now, and the fact that they're doing so well without their DPS. I think means that they can definitely beat Club America. Let's talk about the next CCL game. Probably, I think the big, definitely the biggest result of the week of CCL so far: Toronto and Lyon. Toronto won at home, in air quotes, because they had to play at the Worldwide Sports Complex, Disney, home of the MLS's back tournament, the infamous MLS's back tournament. But Toronto won. They won two one in this quote home performance one three two on aggregate. I did get to see most of this game. I think the bottom line. I came away extremely impressed with Toronto. They look like a very hungry team. No matter who was it was on the field, it could have been you know hundred year old Michael Bradley or ten year old. Um, I can't remember his name. He's like seventeen or eighteen. Priso. Uh,
1: Priso uh, is like eighteen.
2: Yeah, he's the youngest of the young kids because I know Kello and Schaffelberg are a little older than him. So it could be, you know, a child or a senior citizen. It doesn't matter. Right now, Chris Armis clearly has everyone in Toronto all in on what's happening, as they like to say, all for one. Connor. Mr. Toronto, talk to us about this game and this tie. Obviously you're feeling great because you chanted. You did some chanting on the podcast tonight.
1: <laughs> I did, and I'm already regretting that, so it may not be in the podcast. We'll see. Um but overall, what a performance. Like that's one of the best games Toronto FC has played in a very long time.
2: And gotta add, they did it while getting ConcaCaffed after that BS yeah. offside
1: call in the first goal. Should have been 3-1. How that referee thought he was offside is just mind-numbingly stupid. Uh, he should be like the guy who refereed the Phil- uh, was it the Philadelphia game, who's yeah. been booted from the tournament because he was so bad. Yeah, he shouldn't be doing another game after that egregious mistake. Because uh, it should have been three-one. Okello should have scored, had that goal count. But look, no matter what. That was an unbelievable performance from everybody on the field. Nobody had a poor performance. Uh, Michael Bradley, I think that's the best Bradley's looked in years. Like that's one of the best games he's ever played as a member of Toronto FC. Uh, his his role, as I mentioned before, we'd even talk like before they'd even played a game, and I mentioned like how do I think the old guys are going to be good in this system. Him being the second man in is working unbelievably well, and it's just, it's a great fit. I think it's a reinvention of Bradley's career. Uh, We'll see how long it lasts, because as Josh likes to say, he's going to get injured, Um, even though he hasn't been injured. (laughs) Or benched. Eventually. But he hasn't been injured that much, so I don't know if that'll happen, but maybe it will. We saw Josie last 70 minutes before he pulled up with a hamstring issue. So maybe I eat my words, but I'm incredibly high on TFC this season. The young kids looked unreal. Luke Singh, short-term contract started because Eric Zavallada got injured the day before. Kid is good. Couple of worrying mistakes where he almost got Toronto in a whole lot of trouble, but got lucky. Um, They were able to clear the ball. Bono looked good. Gonzalez looked good. Akello should have had the goal. Schaffelberg was really, really good. That setup for the Mullins goal was perfect. Uh, I thought Morrow coming on as a midfielder worked pretty well. Nick Deleon, I was a little underwhelmed with. I thought he could have been better. But, you know, it's his first match. I'll give him a bit of a break. Uh, Delgado was, as always, solid. Richie, apart from losing his head a couple times great uh just overall an unbelievable performance and Auro Jr. Auro was spectacular he was really really good in that entire tournament so I'm very high on Toronto FC this season and this performance really solidifies that opinion based off of how well they managed to beat the reigning Liga MX champions who are currently seventh in Liga MX with a whole bunch of young kids and no DPs And just a very, very, very impressive performance. Drew, did you catch this game? Uh, And if you did or didn't, what were your thoughts on Toronto FC's performance?
0: Yeah, I thought Toronto killed it, was a lot better than a lot of people thought, including myself, thought it was going to be. So again, they got CONCACAF. And and toward the late there, it looked like Leon might pull one back. Again, I totally am blanking on TFC's goalkeeper, but he made a really big save toward the end. Alex Bonham. He's, he's on my he's fantasy been there before. team, man. I don't know how I forgot that. He made a really big save, so Leon kind of gave everything they had, but TFC survived. Um, Michael Bradley, yeah, I thought he was phenomenal while he was on the ball. He made some good passes. Um, He did lose the ball once late in the match where maybe it was a foul, maybe it wasn't. They didn't call it on VAR. We lost the ball, and then Leon came by. And if the Leon striker didn't just stumble over the ball, they might have equalized, but still they advanced. They got Conca cap. They survived. Um, the thing about the young kids that I'm interested about is when people learn how to play these guys, how are the young kids going to adjust, right? That's the big question. Now, they've obviously shown they're talented, they can play. How it's The question now is when teams learn how to stop them, how do they adjust? And that's just the big question. The best players know how to do it. And they don't really have the easiest road in the world. Who is currently first in the Mexican League?
2: That's it, uh, not Leon because they sure. just one. I'll look it up. No, they're
0: inside. Well, if it's who I'm thinking of, because the next round they play Cruz Azul who just beat a Haitian site eight to nothing. So it just gets harder from here. TFC has the hardest route. I think we talked about it when the bracket released. TFC has the hardest route. But if they somehow make a miracle and beat Cruz Azul, they can beat anybody. So you know from the get go they have a hard route. They play really good teams. But if they pull this miracle off, which it kind of feels like they pulled a miracle off in this first round, that's saying a lot. So they have Cruz Azul next, who just again beat the Haitian side 8 0. We'll see what happens. That's really exciting. But another team that's smacked, Philadelphia Union beat Saprissa 4 0 after winning their first leg 1 0. We talked about the first leg, the red card that wasn't a red card. But Philadelphia will play Elena United against Saprissa in the same situation as Alabajense missing a lot of players due to COVID slash green card issues. I don't think it was as extreme as Alvinsoe setting, but still players missing. Philadelphia Smackdown 4-0, I think another example of MLS teams learning and growing after that first game of their competitive season and turning around and smacking the next round. So Philadelphia wins 4 to nothing after hanging on against the pre-set in The first leg, Josh, did you catch the game? What did you think about it? Um, Will players stick out to you? Because I think the biggest conversation right now is in Bazo. He tore it up again. I think Connor mentioned him last week. He tore it up again, like, too. But what did you think about the game in Philadelphia advancing to the quarterfinals where they will play our beloved LA United?
2: Yeah, I don't really have much to add. I did not get to see of the game. I was uh, playing soccer while it was happening. Um, just kind of like what I said for Portland, right? Like, they good job for them for taking care of of a a quote-unquote smaller side although Saprissa are routinely in CCL Um, so just good for them for taking care of business Um, I know people are excited about Mbazo but I saw a lot of great things from Jamiro Montero Uh, it seemed like he really took control of the game and I mean that's what you want to see for Philly I believe he's one of their their DPs I can't remember off the top of my head um, and for a team that leans so heavily into its academy players, you still need some of your star players to step up when the time comes, and he really did that. So I don't really have much to add. Um, like I said, if Atlanta doesn't wildly improve over the next you know week and a half, then Philadelphia is going to smack them. Connor, did you catch the game? Regardless of if you did or not, what did you think about the result?
1: I did catch uh, from like... I think the second half on sort of thing, uh, which basically all the goals. Um, But I don't know, like Philadelphia were beating up on a team that were missing a whole bunch of starters. And that's sort of what you got from it, I think is the big takeaways. Like Philadelphia, yes, they're good, but it wasn't a very good team they were facing uh, in general. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think... It's a good performance from Philly, but I don't know how much you can take away from it, considering who they were playing. Uh, It's less, (laughs) it's sort of the opposite of the Atlanta situation in that there's a lot more to take away, or a lot less to take away from it, because they did well. But, you know, who knows? I think this Philly-Atlanta matchup will be really good. It'll be very entertaining. Two MLS sides slugging it out uh, for a little bit until Philadelphia starts to demolish and, atlanta
2: and pressing the heck out of each other yeah there's going to be two pressing teams that really attack each other
1: yeah so gonna be an entertaining game but yeah i don't really think you could take much away from the second match at least
0: i do want to say that Mbazo george Bello matchup we are in for is going to be freaking awesome i am so excited and Mbazo has the same birthday as me new favorite player i think so
2: like, literally the same
0: day? or just No, he's birthday? two years older than me, but same oh, okay. day. Yeah, it's weird. At least he's Evil not younger game. than you. That's true. That is a thing. But you'd feel even worse about it. Yeah, but nonetheless, that's really exciting. A game that just wrapped up, Columbus Crew, Real Esteli. Uh, Columbus won the first leg 4-0, which Connor predicted correctly. Rock on Connor. They just wrapped up one one to nothing. I think BWP got a late goal to put the final ribbon on that bow. So Columbus... Makes it five out of five MLS teams. I know that was the one team we were worried about, guys. The defending champs. We had a 4-0 lead going to the second leg, but they got it done. MLS is perfect going five for five. I don't know if you guys got to catch the first half of the second leg because we did not catch the end of it because we were recording. But I think the biggest thing about this is that MLS teams are five for five. And specifically with TFC, they didn't get to play any scrubs, Right. Hold on. So, Don't forget about Aiden Morris. That's a big deal. Aiden Morris, game. unfortunately, unfortunately, we have to talk about that. We can't forget about that. Um, he came off the field in the, I have no idea what minute. It's like the ninth minute. It's ninth, very oh, early. oh, that's the worst thing in the world. He came off the field, no contact, knee injury. Obviously, he showed up to the scene in MLS Cup dominating the midfield. And no details on that because it happened hours ago. Um, unless someone breaks it on Twitter as we were recording. But so the biggest thing, Aiden Morris' injury, we wish him the best. He's awesome, young talent for an awesome team. But Columbus going five for five makes Major League Soccer perfect in this first round. Connor, what do you think about the league? Having all the teams advance is obviously it's good news. We're excited about it. Whether or not the league wins the thing remains to be seen. But do you think this is a sign of more to come with Major League Soccer going five to five five for five? Unfortunately, one team will be knocked out when Philly and Atlanta plays, but potentially, like you said, there's a potential of having an all-MLS semifinal. So what do you think about MLS going perfect in this first stretch of games?
1: It's just a sign of what's been happening since Toronto FC's performance in 2018 of MLS teams going far in Champions League, and it's going to continue to happen because this league is getting to a point where it's even getting close to surpassing Liga MX to be the best league in North America and I think we need to start treating it like that like yes we can celebrate matches like the TFC win over Leon because it was a minor miracle but we shouldn't be like overly enthusiastic that we beat a team from Costa Rica or some other league because we're at a point in MLS is a, in terms of quality where we should be considering those series to be guaranteed wins. MLS clubs should be winning those games. And as MLS fans, we need to start taking that seriously. we need to start treating MLS clubs like they should be winning these games and, um, and I think we're getting to that point where we're expecting MLS clubs to beat the uh, Real Estellis and, you know, Suprices, et cetera. But we need to start considering the fact that MLS clubs have a very, very real chance against these Liga MX giants, and it isn't just a wash that they're going to lose anymore. This is becoming a—we've become to a point where MLS clubs have every, just as much a chance— as a league mx club to win champions league is what i think it comes down to so hopefully we get it all mls semifinal and we can slug it out uh among the league to see who gets the big title of first champions league winners in mls but until that happens we just have to wait and see but josh how much big do you think all five teams winning is for mls's uh I guess perception in MLS, and what do you think this will do for the league going forward?
2: I think it's absolutely huge. I think it is a huge marker for growth for the league. I, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time all five MLS clubs participating in the tournament have advanced. Um, I think that, you know, an MLS team making a final. In CCL, for example, it's a big deal. You know, Toronto making it almost winning was huge. LAFC making it and you know pretty close to winning it is a big deal. But I think it's an even bigger deal when all of the MLS teams participating start to advance. Portland hasn't been in the tournament a long time. Columbus hasn't been in the tournament a long time, yet here they are handling their opponents with ease. Toronto, they've been there, but super young, missing basically their entire you know, first choice team, they're getting it done against supreme talent in Liga MX. I mean, Leon are the defending Liga MX champions. I mean, come on, that's a huge deal. So, the fact that all five got through is really big. Um, a team like Philadelphia, who's never been in Champions League, if this was even three years ago and it was a team that had never done Champions League before, there was a decent chance they were going to get knocked out by whichever Costa Rican or Honduran or Nicaraguan team that they're going up against. So, all five got through, and to be quite honest, they did it pretty easily. Uh, you know, yeah, Atlanta wasn't very pretty, and yes, you know, Toronto might have gotten a, a break or two here or there, but they made their luck. They made their luck in that tie across both games, and so I think that in of itself is also a huge deal. I think even if Toronto or Atlanta had somehow not managed to advance, we'd still be looking at this as a big sign of progress. For MLS, So I think it helps change the perception big time. Now comes the next step, right? If just one MLS team makes it through, which is guaranteed to be either Philadelphia or Atlanta because they play each other, that's not good enough. It's just not. We need at least one of the other MLS teams to beat one of the other Mexican teams. Frankly, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Toronto. They clearly have a strong history of taking care of business in CCL. And they've already beaten one of the league MX teams this time. So yeah, I think we just need at least one MLS team to beat one of the Mexican teams. And I think having two MLS teams at the least will be a success advancing it. But of course we'll be asking for more after that, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, Anything else you guys want to add
1: before we get into some MLS predictions and previews? Actually, instead of doing it now, we put up a bonus episode on Friday, which you can go back and listen to, even though most of the games have already been played. So go and check that out. But, Drew, all that's left for this episode is for you to take us out.
0: So, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, we really do appreciate our listeners So thank you so much as we get ready for Major League Soccer. And uh, we have our preview episode up where we make our predictions about the table that is up. So we really encourage you guys to go check out a bonus pod where we make our wonderful world of predictions in this great world of Major League Soccer. So give that a listen and also visit the website, mlsmultiplex.com, as our writers create really awesome content to get ready for the start of the season and CCL. So visit the website and follow the website on Twitter at mlsmultiplex. You can find us on Twitter to see... Major League Soccer teams roast us. When we make tweets, you can find Josh at Josh underscore Boland, Connor at CWG Somerville, and myself at Drew at underscore Drew Hubbard. So please give us a follow on Twitter. And, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. And be sure to leave reviews. We love hearing ways we can get better and how we can improve. And uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. And, as always, we will be with you again next week to talk some live action Major League Soccer. So be sure to tune in next week as we review a crazy week of MLS. Thanks again so much, guys, and we'll talk to you next week.
1: Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com.